Welcome to Rocking Our Prize. I'm your host, Dr. Alice Evans. Now, the most gender equal regions in the world are Northern Europe and Southeast Asia. Why is this? How did they become more gender equal than the Middle East? This divergence is not recent. It precedes 20th century development and democratization. So what are the deep roots of the great gender divergence? Before the modern era, almost everyone produced their own food. And these systems for producing food profoundly affected gender relations. Where women's contribution to farming was relatively significant, they have higher labour force participation today. Where men were integral to production, women stayed at home. And over the centuries, gender divisions of labour became normalised. So, what farming systems are associated with higher female employment? We know that female employment is higher in places with traditions of labour-intensive production, shifting cultivation and wet paddy fields. It is much lower under plough cultivation. Now! Here is another influence, irrigation. In a fascinating new paper, which I just read this morning, Per Fredriksson and Satyendra Gupta find that areas with low irrigation potential have higher female labour force participation and female property rights. Elsewhere in the world, Men cooperated with close kin, battled against outsiders for control over valuable irrigated land, captured the gains of greater productivity, developed tight bonds of kinship, while women stayed at home. These irrigation societies also tended to become authoritarian, which constrains female activism. Right, so let me take you through this paper. That's just a, a brief summary. So point one, the potential impact of irrigation varies worldwide. In the Middle East and North Africa, irrigation can more than double yields. In Europe and Southeast Asia, additional water beyond natural rainfall barely makes a difference. This is shown by the Food and Agricultural Organization, FAO, a global agricultural zone. Gaze at 2002 database. And if you check my blog, there's a pretty map. Now, geography is not destiny, of course. Even if irrigation could potentially increase yields, that does not entail adoption. Indeed, irrigation potential is not perfectly correlated with actual irrigation, as Fredrickson and Gupta find when they explore this correlation using Murdoch's 1967 sample of 649 pre-industrial societies. The correlation between irrigation potential and pre-industrial usage is 0.31. So bear in mind that caveat that we don't really know whether we're tracking potential for irrigation and maybe something else or actual irrigation. Bear that caveat in mind and I, I welcome critiques on that point. So, but let's say there is some correlation, yes? And to understand the impact of, poten of irrigation on gender relations, we need to trace the history of technological innovations and how they spread. Now, second point, advanced societies developed engineering marvels like the Kanat. Now, this is a total coincidence. I was actually reading on the Kanat just last week. 
because, you know, who doesn't read about the Kanat over Christmas? So the Kanat is Iran's 3,000-year-old irrigation system, and it is an engineering marvel. Underground aqueducts enabled ancient Persians to thrive and build cities in the desert. Again, check the blog if you want to see some pictures of this. They're very nice. Now, through conquest, they spread their irrigation technology widely, as far as Sicily and Andalusia. Third point. In pre-industrial societies, with higher irrigation potential, women were less likely to work in the fields. Now we're coming back to the Fredrickson and Gupta paper. So they analyzed the standard cross-cultural sample, a Murdoch's ethnographic atlas, and they find, and they also, this is important, they distinguish between different kinds of work. Irrigation potential does not lower women's participation in milking. So here women still work, but they remain close to the homestead. Now, you might be wondering, why on earth would irrigation lower female labor force participation? What are the potential mechanisms there? Well, Fredrickson and Gupta suggest that irrigation would have increased uh, agricultural productivity and men likely retained control over those new technologies. So as men worked in the fields and could provide for their families, there's less need for women. And that mechanism echoes Alessina et al.'s famous paper on the plough, which I'm sure you're all familiar with. Okay. Now, they also make the nice point that irrigation likely raised land values, which could have incentivized raids and warfare. So by doubling yields, irrigation likely raised the value of land, and that could have incentivized violent conflicts. So, to protect their resources, families needed strong fighters. That could have encouraged son preference. And given those external threats, maybe kin restricted women's mobility. And to show the plausibility of this warfare mechanism, Fredrickson and Gupta look at historical conflicts in India. They find that female agricultural labour force participation is lower in districts that had more land battles in their years between uh, 600 and 1962. So this is the idea that a warfare mechanism may help explain low female employment in agriculture. They also suggest another mechanism, autocracy. Pre-industrial societies with irrigation agriculture were often authoritarian. And I don't need to tell you that because, of course, you will have listened to my podcast with Professor David Stasevich all about the rise and fall of democracy where we discussed irrigation. So this is not new to you. Now, interestingly, irrigation potential only worsens female property rights in authoritarian regimes. I think Darona Simogli would like this point. You know, institutions matter, mostly because in more democratic regimes, women could mobilize for equal rights. Hmm. Okay, another point made by Fredrickson and Gupta is that irrigation required constant collaboration, and that would have encouraged collectivism. People in places, and they show this quantitatively, People in places with high irrigation potential tend to be more collectivist. Maintaining water channels between fields may have fostered close cooperation and impeded 
the development of individualistic, self-seeking mentalities. Now, this idea that farming systems help explain large-scale psychological differences echoes Talhelmser and others' brilliant comparison of rice-growing and wheat-grown regions of China, where they highlight the where they show they show that rice-growing areas with more cooperation have more collectivist mentalities today. Now, this is really fascinating to me, and I wonder, could, and I'm just speculating here, could this explain why Europe has weaker bonds of kinship than the Middle East? Now, Professor Joe Henrik, check out our earlier podcast, emphasizes the medieval church, banning cousin marriage, fostering cultural evolution. But I wonder, maybe Europe's weak kinship was reinforced by technologies of production. Since irrigation was less important to yields, was there less cooperation among close kin? I don't know. I'm just putting it out there. So let's regroup. This makes me think. Female labour force participation, and here I'm reflecting on the paper going going slightly beyond it, just ruminating, ruminating, gang. Female labour force participation is lower in southern as compared to northern Europe. Andalusian and Sicilian gender divisions of labour may be truly ancient, or perhaps they were exacerbated by Muslim conquests. I don't know, I admit, I'm not an expert on Southern Europe and I welcome your advice on this point. We do know, and see my earlier podcast, that North North Indian society became more gender segregated during Islamic rule. And that may have been motivated by prestige bias, emulating the wealthy elite, and or protecting women from external attack, which was severe. Now, Muslim rule was a bit shorter in Sicily, lasting several hundred years. So I wonder, was there another possible mechanism of change? Because you know, back when Palermo was the capital of the Muslim Emirate of Sicily, the Arabs built their phenomenal engineering system, the Kanat. They introduced new technologies of production which remained long after the Muslim conquests. So, here's what I'm wondering, and I need to look into this more. Maybe, maybe, female seclusion, low female employment, spread via new technologies of production. What do you think? Ancient Persians created an engineering marvel, the Kanat, which spread far and wide through conquests, and that certainly increased agricultural productivity, enabling men to provide for their families. It may, and I'm sort of using inverted commas here, speculating, have also reinforced cooperation between close kin, while exacerbating conflicts with outsiders over valuable land. And if irrigation reduced the relative importance of women's agricultural labour, tight kinship groups may have preferred women to remain at home, milking, for example, where they could be better protected from external attacks. These irrigation societies were also likely to become more authoritarian, thwarting feminist activism. Now, reflecting on this paper, I wonder, 
have scholars overestimated the negative relationship between Islam and women's rights? New technologies of production, this ancient Persian engineering marvel, spread via conquests, may be another important mechanism of social change. Possibly, I don't know. Discriminatory family laws were then entrenched by powerful religious authorities. So I'm not denying the role of religion, but let's just think a little bit more about new technologies of production. That said, Elon Levy on Twitter raised an excellent counterexample, and I really appreciate this, the Dutch polder system. The Dutch created the Netherlands, as they say, by digging canals, reclaiming land from the sea, and maintaining irrigation channels. This likely reinforced cooperation and raised land value. But the Netherlands is still of the most gender-equal countries in the world, with high female labour force participation. So I don't know what exactly is going on, and I will get back to you on this curious outlier. So I'm not saying irrigation is everything. I don't know what Sicily was like before the Muslim conquests. But wow, I'd never considered this before, and I wanted to share it with you now, because I think it's, well, it's what I try to do here on Rocking Our Prize. So thank you, everyone. I'm Dr. Alice Evans. Take care of yourselves. Bye.